Hello there, it's your host Sharon Lin, and welcome back to Last Debatable. So today we're actually going to talk about snakes. So I think snakes are quite common in, in myths, old and new, and they're actually in some cultures snakes are god that people worship. However, I think they're perhaps one of the most misunderstood animals out there. Much of it is likely due to how they look, and some are venomous, etc. So. Who'd better to talk to to debunk some misconceptions about snakes and learn more about these mysterious creatures than the one and only Hans Breuer? Hi. <laughs> Hello. So, um, actually, this is not your first time here at RTI, right? No, I was here a month ago to talk to the German section.、Mm, so、yeah. you're actually originally from Germany. Yes. And when did you move to Taiwan and start working with snakes and doing research about them? Well,、um, snakes weren't. I,、um, I used to study. In the 80s, I used to study sinology, which is, I think,、uh, Chinese studies in, in English,、mm. um, in Germany in a university. And then after three years, all the students they went either to mainland China or to Taiwan for a year old, year long、uh, conversation course. And I did that here in Taipei at the at Furen Furen University. Wait, Furen.、Mm. Wait, that's my alma mater. I went there. Oh, oh yay! Okay, amazing. So <laughs> actually, yeah. So、um, you're originally from <clears throat> Germany, and you moved to Taiwan,、mm. and you've been living here for more than thirty years. Thirty-four years, yeah. What was the spark for you to basically work with snakes and also organize educational programs, which which we will talk more about later on、mm-hmm. about snakes in Taiwan? Well, I have to、um, go back in time a little bit before 2007 when I started the whole snake stuff. I lived in on the north northern part of、uh, Yangminshan <clears throat> in a little village, and I had a greenhouse on top of my garage, which housed about 400、uh, carnivorous plants. And、uh, eventually, I went to Borneo for a conference on these plants, and I came back. And I had decided because I had seen them in the wild in the jungle. I had decided that the puny little plants in my greenhouse, which kind of compared like chihuahuas to timber wolves, <laughs> to the <laughs> ones I've seen in the jungle. <laughs> yeah, and、uh, I said I have to move to Borneo. I want I want to live where they live because I、uh, I work online,、mm. I run a translation company online, so I can live wherever I want. And so four years later, we actually went to Borneo. It was easy to.、Um, Convinced my wife to do that. We had the two boys. Our two boys,、mm. they were just getting out of elementary school when they had been going to this tiny little ninety children forest school in、uh, Beijing. So time wise, when was this? That 2000... was、uh, in the the late two thousands, like two thousand seven, eight something.、Mm. We eventually moved to Borneo in two thousand eleven. When I came back in two thousand seven, there was all that. I wanted to go back. I wanted to go back to move to move to, to Borneo, and I convinced convinced my wife that we should go there because in Malaysia, Malaysian part of Borneo. Uh, they could go to a British high school with a British curriculum because at that time, our kids only spoke Mandarin and Taiwanese. Because for some freak accident of nature, I always spoke in Mandarin with them. Yeah,、because、you speak mo- very good Mandarin Chinese. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> before、you. we started, we chatted. <laughs> thank you. Wow.、Yeah. No, but it's, it's like my wife doesn't really speak English very well, so Mandarin was always a family language, and they didn't really learn language. So、hmm. when I said, you know, let's go to Malaysia, and so the kids can go to an English-speaking、um, British curriculum、uh, high school, she was like, okay, let's go. Where would you go? So basically, we went there in 2011, and I got my snakes and my pitcher plants, and the kids got their English. But why do how did you get there? 2007, yeah, I came back. Yeah, and why specifically about snakes? Exactly.、Um, so I was living in 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 the green part of、uh, of the north coast, and I came back, and、uh, seeing as we were moving to Borneo, I sold all my pitcher plants, everything, and then we had to wait for another three years until the kids were done with elementary school. I had to fill. I had to find a new hobby. So at the time, I was 
hiking a lot because we mm. were just, you know, basically our house was inside the boundaries of Yangmingshan National yes, Park. Yes. My son broke, my younger son, he broke my little point and shoot camera. Oh. And I said, okay, well, why not get a real camera? <laughs> and so I looked for a nature photo photography club in Taipei. And the first time we, we got there, I met a herpetologist, the guy, a professor for snakes, lizards, crocodiles, That's anything so like that. Cool. And he showed pictures. I mean, I'd always have been interested in snakes when I was a kid, but in Germany, there are no snakes. Um, and even if you go to the forest all the time, you don't really see them. They're very secretive Yeah, that was animals. actually a question that I planned to ask you. I would guess, is it because of the climate? So you rarely, or you don't really see snakes you much see in, them. Okay. No, in very Germany? Secret. Yeah. No, not in Germany, like five species or something. Oh, oh okay. We got, I think, 60, 60 plus here. Mm. But um, they're secretive animals uh, for various reasons, and mm. you just don't see them very much. 20 years of hiking in Taiwan, I've seen two. Yeah. So, yeah. so this guy, I said, when he showed me all these wonderful pictures, of snakes he had taken after this we were done with the with the meeting i went up to him and said how do you find this how do you take these pictures and he said okay um why don't you come with me and my students next time we do field trip and uh Yamishan? and so i did and he showed me how to find these animals and uh basically that kicked off my next obsession Oh, that, that's amazing because yeah. personally I really love when there's someone who sort of I nicknamed them like the master of the field mm. already and you sh they show you uh, yeah. the way in and you found your own relevance yes. in it so which is very interesting because I feel actually I before we started we chatted a little bit growing up I love watching wildlife documentaries mm. especially ones by David Attenborough and the late Steve Irwin I used to have a huge fascination for snakes mm. and I find them really beautiful and really honestly really smart animals which is kind of contrary to what people i meet nowadays like growing up as an adult i know actually my dad has a real fear for snakes and i would mm. say that he's not alone so let's move on to some misconceptions about snakes mm. that actually so actually in taiwan because it's a subtropical island even though you don't really see snakes that often which we'll talk more about during your regular hike or going about nature but taiwan has a really diverse pool of different snakes yeah way more way more than germany <laughs> well the endemism yeah. is, is higher because, mm. because it's an island and it goes up to four thousand meters so yeah like with birds, we, we have 640 kinds of birds here. Yes. In, in Borneo, an island 20 times bigger, we have 670. Yeah, I would so. love to see that in person one day, honestly. Yeah, so um, one thing is, I feel like most people, when they, when they think about snakes, they always use adjectives like, snakes are bad and evil and they're out for blood. They, they are very <laughs> aggressive and they chase people and hunt them down. So Hans, yeah. how <clears throat> true is this? None of it's true. <laughs> okay, let's, okay, let's start. Let's, yeah, let's break this down. Okay, so let's start with what I just said. Um, yeah. Snakes are very secretive. Why? I've had, between 2007 and 2011, I had a very intensive phase of teaching uh, uh, kids here in, in elementary schools about snakes. I did up to three, four shows a day. <clears throat> and to that end, I had anywhere between 20 and 30 snakes in my office so I could show them to the children, non-venomous stuff. What you will learn if you keep them at home. Let's put it this way: I'm really, I'm really, f I'm fascinated by snakes. I don't know why, mm. but a snake in a terrarium is as interesting to me as a pet rock. Because pet, pet rock, pet rock, yeah, mm. a brick. Let's call oh, it a brick, okay. right? They don't do anything. They just sit there in the hide in the hidey hole, and once a week, you know, you open the terrarium, plop a mouse in, and they come out and, and grab it and go back in, and they eat it, and and that's what they do. Mm. Nothing else. There's nothing interesting about their movements or whatever, if they're in terrariums. 
other people think differently. I know a lot of people with giant collections of, of snakes, yes. pet trade snakes, wild snakes, what have you. But uh, for me, pet snakes are boring because of exactly the same reasons why they are not anything like what people, what you just said people say about well, they're mm -hmm. not out for blood, anything. It starts with the physiolog physiological features. <clears throat> they have, they're not really, they can be fast, mm. but if, you're, if they're small enough and you're big enough, you can catch them. So say in, in a wild, uh, of course, on average, what mm. is the fastest speed a snake you can see in Taiwan could go? Oh, uh, I wouldn't, I, I can't say in miles per hour or something, but the, the Guo Sandao, the, the, <clears throat> the big eyed uh, racer, it's called that for a reason. The, the, the knife that crosses the mountain. Yeah, it's this name is actually really, really cool. They're really fast. And oh. yeah, they're shaped like a knife from you see yeah. from behind. But anyway, so they don't have any fangs to rip you apart with. Mm. They, don't, they don't have any big, strong chest muscles to hug you to death. <laughs> you know, they, they have nothing basically to kill you with, apart from the venom, which I get to later. Yeah, yeah. Later. Now, they can't fly away. So basically, I mean, a dog is more dangerous than any snake. Mm. to humans because like is that related to something that i think people is i i want to understand especially for parents if they have younger children mm. when they go out in a the wild they would be afraid of you know running into wild snakes yes. and so mm. do you happen to know how often are these um, snake bite incidents um, happening in taiwan mm. i would guess fairly rare um fairly rare but rare. it's mostly mostly in agricultural regions i know i live in the mm. countryside so i know a bunch yeah. of of uh, farmers with missing limbs and stuff like that because they got bitten by vipers but the thing is that the australians have this wonderful saying the most dangerous snake in the world is the one in your hand that you're just messing with so snakes are as dangerous as you make them and that goes all the way through okay you okay you go hiking there's a snake on the on the trail you don't know what it is and it doesn't go away, which is very rare. Ninety-nine percent of the of the you know incidents they will go away. Mm. But uh, let's say it doesn't go away. What do yes. you do? You okay. walk you walk around it with at least five, six, seven snake lengths distance. Like say the snake is a meter long, and mm -hmm. you walk around five meters distance. If you don't have that, because in the dense jungle or something, yeah. and you don't know what it is could be something that's that's um you know cobras they're very defensive that way they sit on the trail and you don't and you don't know what they are are they territorial mm, not necessarily mm. that's not the point that they're, they're just afraid they're of very, humans of humans of everything if you put us let's say if put a snake in the middle of a tennis an empty tennis court it will immediately run to uh to the wall mm -hmm. and look for holes to hide yeah. in you don't see them in the open so if you do see them in the open because they sit in the middle of the trail that means they're already so afraid that they're at the end of the tether and uh, waiting for your next move. I have friends um, who, ex about 10 years ago, they just go up the hill and somehow, I think it was, and there was a big cobra sitting in the middle of the trail. He didn't know what to do and the cobra didn't go away, so he just went back. And that's what you do. You mean back up? Back. No, and no, he went back to his car. Oh, okay. And that's what you do because venomous bites are always always nasty even if you don't die uh, case in fact a friend of mine an australian herpetologist he um, he was in uh, the taroko gorge sunday saturday night mm, in hualien in hualien and he texted me he's like so hans about these little these little green vipers here how, how medically significant are the bites and like uh oh and he says i just found one and it tagged me with one fang Oh. Uh, I said, does it hurt? No, it itches. I said, okay, what you do now, you get in your car, you yeah. get off the mountain, you get yourself, and here it comes. You get yourself to medical uh, attention 
as fast as possible as fast and as, as calm as possible so as not to you know roil up your, your blood circulation, blood circulation mm. and get the stuff to your heart as fast yeah. yeah and that's what he did and uh by the time he got to the hospital that little itchy thing had become a pain all the way to the elbow they kept him overnight they kept him on a drip uh anti-venom drip and they discharged him the next day around noon and that was a tiny tiny bite by one tiny fang by one tiny viper now imagine if it was a bigger viper with two fangs mm. and, and had unloaded all the venom into it in general you have two kinds of venom yeah around how long of a time would you have for that kind of yeah th that's the problem no, no two bites are the same you have so-called dry bites which are just warnings mm. they, they, they bite you but they don't unleash any venom yeah on the other hand how old are you how are you, are you like uh yeah, a big are you person. fit? Are you a big, big person? Are you fat and old? Are you young and slim and fit? All that. Did did it bite you in the foot? Did it bite you in the eye? All very different. So all factors actually matter to how yes, that venom might very much you know, so. up. Okay. But none of them, none of them are taken to be lightly. So uh, just you know, get off the get off the hill and get to yeah. hospital. So listeners, this is very important. If you think you might encounter this kind of situation during your mm. hike make sure to you know follow what what hans just mentioned what do you think is is some of the factors that caused humans to have this sort of very strong and kind of irrational fear for snakes it's because they can they can kill you okay do you think pop culture like in movies they had like for jaws i think jaws is an iconic movie for <laughs> to roll up people's fear for mm. sharks do you think that all those snake movies they really, you know. Well, the snake trigger. movies are all ridiculous because <laughs> they. Was that the, the the TV series Vikings, where the where oh. the uh, um, the main actor he died in season five or something? By oh, is this a being, spoiler? Okay, there was a spoiler. Okay, if yeah, you but were. It's, it's ridiculous. <laughs> the world needs to know about that. They his enemies that push him into, and that's in Norway, where there are no snakes exist anyway. Yeah. They push him into this into this big hole with like twenty five writhing snakes inside, and every single one of them is a ball python. A pet, yeah. So, so and but of course, and he goes like, oh, oh he, he, he he makes it sound like he's get he gets bitten like thirty times within twenty seconds or something. Then he dies. Which is not logical at all. That's no. not logical at all. No, <laughs> but of course, what can you do? You know, because mm. like also one of the things is another misconception is uh, most people when they picture a snake that they might encounter in the wild, they mm. would picture it's going to be very long and big, very dangerous. Yeah. But in reality, do you, how often do people encounter a really large and potentially, while potentially in, in that way, more dangerous snakes in mm. the wild? Or actually they, let, let's talk a little bit about what's the smallest snake out there in Taiwan that people <laughs> most likely could encounter. The the Brahmini uh, snake, it's it's also called the flower pot snake because that, mm -hmm. that's how it gets distributed all the world. It was the first snake to reach Hawaii, which is a snakeless place, in, in flower pot soil. And they're very tiny and they're blind and they do nothing. How small are they? Oh, about six, seven centimeters, ten. Oh, wow. Yeah. So you probably wouldn't even notice them if you encounter those in a worm. Well, you think it's a worm because they, yeah. don't, they oh. don't have visible eyes. Oh, yeah. And then you look close and they see you have tiny, tiny scales. Mm -hmm. And kind of coming back to talking about venomous snakes a, a little bit. So like in Taiwan, say when you, of course, it depends on which hiking trail you go to. But say if it's a... Okay, you go hike around, for example, Yangmingshan. Mm. Is it very common to encounter snakes that are venomous? Okay, um, in most countries in the world, the venomous to non-venomous 
ratio is about I think like 15-20% is venomous mm. so um, and is that though that's pretty low let's say we, we got 60, 63 or 65 species of, of, of Taiwanese snakes depending on the taxonomy and on who you listen to but mm. um, some people ask me like how do you differ how do you make the difference yes, between venomous snakes that's another thing we okay, were yeah. you cannot you, you cannot. cannot triangular head could be a viper but could be something else too Mm. Oval head could be harmless, but also could be a crate. The most dangerous, the most venomous snake outside of Australia, land snake. So, and there's no hard and fast rule. So, what you do is yes. your homework. Okay. You go, for instance, uh, you buy a book about snakes, or go to my site. Yes. By the way, listeners, you have to go check out Hans's website. It's really, really amazing. It has pictures and also so many. I learned so much about <laughs> snakes on your website, and it's you know one of Michelle's <laughs> favorite websites to frequent. Honestly, yeah. Go on. Right. Uh, and so what you do is basically, if you like hiking in Taiwan and or you just moved here, um, a, a common scenario is you're you're an expat and you come here and you live here for two years or something. They, your company gives you a nice house in Tianmu by the <laughs> by the edge of the forest mm. with a swimming pool. And then third day you yeah, find your yeah. first snake in the swimming pool because nobody told you to to remove the frogs from the swimming pool. So hey. and then they go online and uh, they ask questions and. More often than not, that they find me online. Snakes of Taiwan is not only a website but also a Facebook group. And then I, um, you know, I give them advice: stay away from that thing. Basically, mm. uh, if it's a cobra in a swimming pool or something, just stay away, stay indoors until the next day, and it will be gone. Mm. But what I also do, if I may pop this in here, yes, I do night walks free for free. Uh, mm. I show people nature at night on Yangmingshan. Yeah. Not only snakes, frogs, bugs, anything. What is what's there? And I do this mostly for families. I love taking children around the forest. If there's any way to convey my email over the radio or something. Yes, yes. We, we will have yeah, Hans's yes. information linked okay. on the post. So uh, yeah. just, just hit me up if you're interested in that. At the moment, it's the it's, it's, uh, night walk season between May yes. and November. And actually, it right. brought up a point I'm actually really curious about. Are snakes in general nocturnal? Uh, there are nocturnal snakes mm -hmm. and there are diurnal snakes. Mm -hmm. And the diurnal snakes are usually bigger and faster because they they hunt by eyesight because it's it's sunny right yes. so they hunt by eyesight yes. and uh, nocturnal snakes are often um, ambush hunters like the vipers they sit and sit and sit the te technical term for that the bio biological technical term is believe it or not sit and wait hunters wow yes. okay i heard that for some like career talks like how to find the job that fits you most like sit yeah, yeah 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 but i remember that term uh, i think from some water documentaries right. that i used to watch. yeah mm -hmm. so at night you just see m much more animals mm. yeah. yeah so it, it's a good segue to another point that I think many people are curious about. So how do snakes kind of have a sense around their environment? And many people, they think that snakes are quote unquote deaf. So let's talk about how do snakes hear and how do they hunt? Right. Um, let's start with how do they hear? Snakes are not deaf. They have ears, but they don't have outer ears. I, I grew up in my youth room. I was next to a dance hall. And so every Friday and Saturday night, I fell asleep to... <laughs> To th through two walls. So that's basically how snakes uh, hear the world. There are mm. no, no treble sounds really. Everything is muted because everything comes through the skin, through the flesh. Yeah. They don't have an ear opening. So yes, they can hear. So it's but, from the vibration of the sound. But, yeah, but what they don't use, but they don't really use that a lot. What they usually uh, use, snakes, the, the belly scales, the ventral scales, are very sensitive. And each one of them has a motion, motion sensor in it. So... If like people like me, big, fat, and heavy, I tr tramp through the forest. 
I'm oh, very likely to see no snake because they, they sense, sense me half you. a kilometer away yeah. already. So that's that's how they sense their environment. And so the rule is if you find one snake, you've walked past 50 already. Mm. Oh, yeah. yeah, that's a very, very good tip to know. Yeah. And also, I think uh, how much of this is true that I think that's start with movies. Um, I think because for most wildlife documentaries, they're usually they're usually showing you like knowledge and information. But in movies, they sort of dramatize how the what the vision of snakes look like. So mm. they sense heat. So say if they see two human beings, some it'll do. be yeah, oh, yeah, some do. So let's talk about that. So. Um, you, you know, in those movies, they always show you like what the snake is seeing versus mm. what humans are seeing. So mm. humans are quite dumb in a sense, but for snakes in those movies, they always show you that oh, they could see the silhouette of that human in all red because well, it's, true. You, it's true. Yeah, I mean, it's true. No, 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 not all of them. Um, yeah. So pit, yeah, let's talk about it. Pit vipers. They call pit vipers because they have a pit, a little hole, two pits in their face. And that's the heat sensing uh, thing. So basically, mm. they have many ways to see and hear the world like we do. But they have an extra one, which probably looks like what we see when we look through a thermal goggles. Yes. Mm -hmm. So there, so that is a silhouette. So that's right. The silhouette, if, if, if it's a, a mammal, it's probably red because it's hot. Yeah, it has know. body heat. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And you know, the thing is that I actually talked to some of my friends and colleagues. So snakes are reptiles. And I think another... I would say it's a misconception. So people think that because since snakes are reptiles and most people think that rep reptiles are in general dumb. So snakes are dumb. Oh, yeah. I disagree. Really, I disagree because I have a turtle growing up and she is so smart. So I don't know why people. Yeah. What, why, how do you think about, you know, people thinking that snakes are not that intelligent? Because they're not. You're, they're not. No, no, no. I, yeah. I mean, as much, much as I love them, that, but I, I like to call them yeah, tell eating more. tubes. But, but, uh, <laughs> That's what they do. They, they they hunt, they eat, they swallow, and they digest. Noodles with scales. <laughs> Pretty much. Macaroni with scales. Yeah, but the thing is that, I mean, they have to be smart in some way, otherwise they wouldn't survive. Yeah, because I think it, we were talking about how they have a sense around their environment. Mm -hmm. I, I think as a kid, I have so much respect naturally for snakes because I learned from the documentaries I watched that they are they are so much more unaffected biologically speaking sensitive to their environment than humans because humans i don't know especially you wouldn't even know notice much of how you know people say if you go to the metro you probably wouldn't even know what type of people are walking past you mm -hmm. and also what kind of sound you're actually detecting but animals like snakes they could know they have so to, it, because it, yeah. anything could kill them yeah so in that way i feel that in that sense they're quote-unquote smarter mm. than human beings but yeah, well, tell us more about. When I'm talking about reptilian intelligence, there <clears throat> you have the monitor lizards in Australia and in Southeast Asia, and uh, in general, it's uh, the bigger they are, the smarter they are. But what they call mammalian intelligence has, so far as far as I know, only been uh, assigned to king cobras and the really big lizards. Is it because of the potential size of the brain in comparison to the Poss body? It is possible. possible. I, I, I'm not really sure it is. Mm. But when people talk about, in, I have this book at home, and I've had it for 10 years, I still haven't read it. It's called, Are We Smart Enough to Understand How Smart Animals Are? That's a great question. No, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, no, really, because I feel like, <laughs> I'm just really nerding, I know we love this, because I feel, I think how most human beings, we interpret the world is based on our own yeah, conceptions and exactly. senses. So say if, if a certain being, their their brain is working, but yeah. how the how their brain is working is very different from that of human beings. So exactly. they would think that they're probably inferior.
And that's it for part one of our chat with Hans. Stay tuned for part two coming out next Wednesday on That's Debatable. Take care. See you then. 